you're listening to Tazi Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Tasmania right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about current, past, current and future events, learn how to study the Bible more effectively, get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going and experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Tabitha Zachariah, and today we have David Maxwell joining us from Launceston. And uh, David is joining us with a special guest by the name Natalie Moore. And um, Natalie joined us last week, and we have her um, joining us today again. So welcome, David and Natalie. Hi, Tabitha. How are you? I'm good. How are you, David? Yeah, we're good, thanks. We're good. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Tabitha. <laughs> thanks good for to- back. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. It's good to have you. Um, so last week, um, David, um, Natalie began sharing her experience relating to her journey with cancer. And um, today she's going to continue with the rest of her experience on that journey. And um, she's um, done or she's doing a two part, um, two episode short series. And it's called Peace and Surrender. And uh, she talked about, uh, did part one of that last week. And today she's going to tackle part two. And um, Natalie, be really grateful for you being willing to share your journey with us today. And um, I remember last week, especially in the like when we were almost finishing up in the last section, I was so captivated, like just listening to you sharing your um, story, especially when you talked about finding out you had cancer and um, how you reacted to the news. And uh, I know you have more to share with us. Um, I remember we ran out of time, and uh, so we're looking forward to hearing the second part of that today. And uh, just to remind our listeners, you can listen to us through the Faith FM app or the Faith FM website, and uh, you can also catch up on the previous um, episodes that we've done from the app or the website. And also our show number is zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. Feel free to text us any questions, um, any comments any feedback or even respond to our listener question um, and uh, we'll be able to share with that. Uh, you will be able to share that on air. Um, so, David and Natalie, what do you have for us today in the second part of Peace and Sunderlander? Yeah, thanks, Tabitha. So, well, last week we got to know a little bit more about Natalie. We got to understand a little bit who she was, where she's from, uh, some of the events leading up to her diagnosis and uh, how it affected those who were closest to us. So after the break today, uh, I, I know that you're going to share the diagnosis and how it affected you um, and, and touch a little bit. Uh, just touch a little bit how it affected the others personally, but mostly how it affected you personally. Um, but firstly, would you like to give any encouragement to anyone out there who uh, might have a close friend or themselves that has recently been diagnosed with some kind of cancer or some potentially terminal illness? Um, I, I mean, what, what was it? What was it that you needed to hear from people closest around you, you when um, uh, when when you? had that diagnosis uh, because I I guess uh, people who might be in the same position as you uh, might actually need to know those things uh, and their friends. So what did you need the most? I suppose when we first got the initial diagnosis, before we knew sort of the prognosis of what stage and how bad it was and what course of treatment um, would be needed, I suppose when we started to slowly tell people 
it was only a select few at the time because we didn't want to freak everybody out. Um, because initially when, you know, you hear the word cancer, suddenly everybody freaks out like mm. it's a death sentence. Mm. And thankfully, of course, the mums I mentioned fell apart a little bit, my mother-in-law and my mum, mm. um, and a couple of friends and whatnot, but quite a few sort of, I suppose, were stunned into silence, which in a way sort of helped me because I wasn't freaking out, as I said, or maybe I didn't say, I don't even remember what I said last week, but <laughs> you did I had say. this overwhelming <laughs> peace. I didn't feel any different. I'd heard the word, you have cancer, but it didn't phase me. It didn't feel like a death sentence. And I sort of said, until we have a death sentence, it's not a death sentence, basically. Mm. So mm. I suppose the way I wanted to be treated was as if life was just continuing as normal, which is what worked for me. But I realized in speaking to uh, other mums, especially, I joined a Facebook group called Mummy's Wish. Uh, it's a private group for mums going through cancer, just to share their burdens and whatnot. And in speaking to them, I know some people wanted a bit more sympathy and compassion and things like that. I just wanted life to go on as normal. I still wanted to go to playgroups while we could. I wanted uh, a sense of normalcy and to hear about my friends, you know, relationship problems or parenting problems. And a lot of people, I think at times sort of felt that they couldn't share those because, oh, what's my relationship problem compared to you've got cancer? I'm like, no, we don't compare. A struggle is a struggle regardless of how big or small you think it is. And I want to hear what's going on in your life. Don't sugarcoat it because you feel bad for me. So I wasn't feeling bad for me. Mm. Um, so I think asking questions is really important too, whether you're supporting someone um, and you're not sure how to support them. They might not be feeling the way that I was. Um, I didn't appreciate people projecting their experiences onto me, um, including people close to me and saying, oh, you know, I know what you're going through mm. and it was really scary. And I was sort of thinking, I'm like, I don't want to diminish that for the other person, but internally I'm like, I I'm not scared. This is not scary for me. I was really fortunate with that sense of peace. And so that wasn't ideal. Um, and I found I needed to protect my... I suppose, mental space mm. and my headspace and protect my spirit um, so that I wouldn't get weighed down by others' experiences who obviously had gone through it and survived. But through the process, it sounded really tough and challenging and it was just difficult to hear that. And I went, I don't want to scare myself because their experience, like with parenting or pregnancy or whatever you do, your, someone else's experience, you can learn from it, but it doesn't mean it'll be your experience mm, of that time. Mm, mm. So the worst thing to hear is, I know what you're going through. Uh, yes. Because everyone's journey is individual. That's right. Did, uh, what I've seen in, in some people's journeys with um, experiencing some life-threatening illness or sickness or challenge, that uh, sometimes people around them, their friends, relatives, maybe even church folk, uh, tend to pull away from them because when you ask them why why did you do that why did you pull away from that person they said I didn't know what to say I didn't know how to help I I just mm. didn't know did you find any of that at all and not dramatically I did sort of from friends that I don't see kind of day to day um, mm -hmm. that are you know on the mainland um, who I don't talk to necessarily 
all the time who aren't super involved in life, I might have talked to them a little less. Mm -hmm. But I just came out and asked them, I said, you know, is this difficult for you? Because I was coping with it fine, but Mm. I've not really been on the other end of someone going through something really bad um, and then not knowing how to help them through it. And so I sort of had to ask them, them the question of, is this too difficult for you? And if this is too hard... I'm very okay and I will not be offended if you need to have some space from me and from this. And because it didn't bother me, I'd rather, Mm. you know, have a friend at a further distance supportive and they're on the other end of it than in the trenches and, Mm, you know, not coping and adding to their burden. And so that didn't bother me. But otherwise, I guess the thing that if you are the person who feels that way of not sure how to be there for the person going through the hard time, ask them. Mm. And they might not Mm. be able to answer. And if you are the person going through a hard time, be honest. If you're not sure how to answer in that moment, say, I'm not sure how to answer at this Mm. time, but I'll Mm. get back to you if I think of anything. Or, you know, just offer. I had people ask, you know, what can we do for you and your family? Um, And later down the track, I guess I'll expand on it a little more, but I sort of had those things in mind, practical things that would help because I knew that people wanted to feel that they were being helpful. So Mm, I had to think about, mm, okay, how can I help mm. make this easier for other people, which seems very silly considering I was the one going through the thing, but that's just kind of how my brain works. So you're really Mm. just saying that you wanted people to treat you normally, like like they did before. You just still wanted the conversations and the friendships and Mm. and, and just to have people walk beside you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, look, that's really good. That's really good. Thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, Natalie, I think it's it's sometimes really hard for us to even think that it's um, not okay to talk about it. Mm. Um, And and that can be a big challenge. Um, Tabitha, you were going to, I think you were going to ask something about the, um, if there was any Bible verses. Yeah. So, Natalie, as you're going through this part of early diagnosis, was there any Bible verse that really helped you? And when others may not have been as helpful as you would have liked them to be. Uh, yeah, James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 mm, are which, peculiar ones. Would you like me to read that for Yes, you? could you read in the Christian right. Standard Bible? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we, we, we discovered that one last time, didn't <laughs> yes. we? Yeah, okay. So, James 1, 2 to 3. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Would you like to talk to that? Why was that special? I suppose the key word for me in that is whenever you experience various trials. Years ago, uh, the Launceston Youth, we did a Bible study on the book of James, and we really zeroed in on that whenever point um and we are yeah it's kind of an example of you know what things will happen but you'll get through them and Mm. here's how Mm. i'm Mm. sure after the break you're going to expand on that even more i can do yeah thanks thanks natalie yeah, and we have a listener question before we listen to our first song. Um, we'd like our listeners to text in if they've ever found that people didn't really understand what they were going through 
um, when they faced various ch- challenges and how did um, God help them through that? Um, text us your responses to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. And our first song is Goodness of God by Meredith James. And this was Natalie's selection. And um, Jason said it's his favorite too. So enjoy. It's running out. 
of God by um, Meredith James and uh, it's such a beautiful song and um, that was Natalie's selection actually. Mm. Um, you're listening to Tuz Encounters on Faith FM and uh, today we're talking to David Maxwell and Natalie Moore on um, the topic of peace and surrender and this is the second part of that um, short series. Um, just to remind our listeners to text in if they've ever um, been in a situation where they found people didn't really understand what they were going through when they faced um, challenges and uh, how God helped them through through that. Um, texting your responses to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, and we have a free book offer. It's called Expect a Miracle, and that is a book too. I believe there must be book one. Um, that's by Ellen White. I uh, will give you more information later on. Um, David, before the break, you read Natalie's our favorite passage, and that was James chapter five, chapter one, verse um, two and three. Mm. Um, Natalie, why was that such a great passage for you? I suppose I touched on it a little before the song, um, but actually linking back to that listener question, what a great question! Uh, and I think this verse sort of speaks into that. If you don't understand what's happening, if you don't know why. God's allowing this situation to be happening to you, consider it a great joy when you experience that because it's a testing of your faith. It's an opportunity for your faith to grow. I think often when we look at this verse, we see the word test and we automatically think tests are a bad thing. But I mean, you think of, I mean, right now, a COVID test could be a bad thing or a good thing, but you get that result and it's a good thing and you have an answer regardless of if it's positive or negative, you have an answer to your question. And I guess testing of our faith, producing endurance, the more we go through things, the more we experience them hard and not, we have the opportunity to rely on God. And as he brings us through them, our faith grows so we can face another challenge and grow our faith some more. And, and that's that endurance. And mm-hmm. um, I particularly love 
that idea that we can, yeah, just go through hard things um, and it doesn't mean it's the end. It just is an opportunity to grow and learn. Yeah, it's really great to have verses that are special and that you that can help you through all sorts of issues in life. Um, Natalie, last week you shared how your diagnosis affected um, the people closest to you and you just touched briefly on how it affected you. Would you like to share a little bit more uh, on how you responded personally to the diagnosis, please? I suppose the main thing at the beginning was that thought of my life is in God's hands. And as in that song we just heard, the goodness of God with my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. And I just went, God, you can figure this out. Um, and I didn't really let myself think about the worst case scenario, but I decided that the worst case scenario was if I died. But that's not really a worst case scenario because for me, as Paul says, for me to die is Christ. Um, and that meant, you know, if I go to sleep, the next thing I'll wake up and see Jesus. Like, that seems like a win to me. Um, but I suppose other than that, it was more so the thought of, what will my family do? And will my child be okay? And I'd never been away from my daughter overnight, let alone for multiple hours or anything like that. So I just wasn't sure how all of that would affect anything in our family. But knowing that we had a really strong community and my mum immediately after hearing uh, what had happened, she was putting in the efforts to get down to Tassie to be able to support us as well. Um, and so, yeah, I guess it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't scary. It was an opportunity to just have faith and just see what God would do. I'd been silly growing up thinking I didn't have a testimony because I had been born into the church, I'd grown up in the church, I'd given my life to Jesus at 13, I got baptised at 14, and nothing really was too difficult. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and then, you know, sort of went, I don't have a testimony. And then suddenly, that was kind of the perspective I took on it, was I'm going to take you through something that God's saying, yeah, I'm going to take you through something, and you're going to, it will be an opportunity. And I don't know what that opportunity is, but hey, I'm sitting here yeah. doing this radio interview, sharing my faith and my journey. So maybe it was for you, listener, who is listening right now. Maybe it was for you to encourage you. Um, but yeah, I think that was that was important in a way, was to let God do something here, not me. Yeah, it sounds like it, that, that exact verse you read in James is what's unfolding in your life. Mm as you have that experience, you have that encouragement, and now you're sharing that with other people. I think it's fantastic. Thanks, Nat. I can't help but wonder what I would do in a similar situation. You know, I, I don't know how I would face uh, a major crisis. Um, I had a, a minor crisis 18 months or so ago, but I don't know how I would face something as um, confronting. And I guess none of us do until we hit that, until we get there. Um, in our last program, I shared a little bit about uh, something that Naomi from the Bible went through, and we looked at when she was faced with this seemingly insurmountable challenge, she looked to God for help. Seems like that's where you looked as well. It strengthened your faith and you grew. Um, Tabitha, would you mind reading a little bit more in Ruth mm -hmm. about uh, what Naomi did after she had um, 
received this uh, this I guess terrible outcome in a life where her husband died, uh, both her sons-in-law died, and it was really just the ladies left. Mm, I'm reading from the book of Ruth, one verse six to ten, and that is from the Christian English version. Right? CEV, yeah. CEV, yeah. Um, when Naomi had, um, that the Lord had given his people a good harvest, she and her two daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab and go to Judah. As they were on their way there, Naomi said to them, Don't you want to go back home to your own mothers? You were kind to my husband and sons, and you have always been kind to me. I pray that the Lord be just as kind to you. But he give uh, may he give each of you another husband and a home of your own. Naomi kissed them. They cried and said, we want to go with you and live among your people. Yeah, so the way Naomi dealt with this challenge was she went back to God and went back to her people and sought help there. After the break, we're going to hear a little bit more of uh, uh, from Natalie about her journey and how she dealt with the issues she faced as she went through the treatment. But first, uh, you have some info for the listeners again, uh, Tabitha. Yes, still asking the listener question and encouraging our listeners to text in if they've ever been in a situation where um, they were facing challenges and then they felt like people didn't really understand uh, what was going through and um, how God helped them to face it or how they went about that. Um, text your responses to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. And uh, we also have a free book offer. It's called Expect a Miracle, and that is by Ellen White. Um, we'll give you the code and a bit of more information later on. Um, our next song is called Where There is Faith by Faith First.
by the support of Adventist World Radio. Another beautiful song, Where There Is Faith by Faith mm. Fast. And uh, you're listening to Tazi Encounters on Faith FM. And today we're talking to um, David Maxwell and Natalie Moore um, on the topic of peace and surrender. And that is the second part. Um, so, David, before the break, uh, you were explaining that there were people in the Bible who turned to God when things got tough. And did God help Naomi when she went back to her people and sought help from God? Yeah, it's a really incredible story. Uh, we haven't got time to unpack it. We're listening to Natalie's story today, but just briefly, you know, Naomi goes back to her people. Ruth, her daughter-in-law, goes back. Or the other daughter-in-law, Orpah, stays uh, in Moab. And, and God provides a helper. God provides a husband for Ruth. And by extension... This man, uh, Boaz, ends up looking after Naomi as well. Now, it's really interesting to see that Boaz was the son of Rahab, and Rahab was that lady who was saved from Jericho. Yeah. So really, really amazing story. But but um, aside from that, I, I'm really intrigued to see how, Natalie, how you coped with the treatments that you had to undergo. Um, how did you cope? What did you have to endure? Uh, who helped? Uh, how did God help along the way? Tell us, tell us more. 
I suppose it was all a little bit unknown, wasn't it? I uh, didn't really know what to expect, and what you see in the movies and TV shows makes cancer treatment really, really horrible sounding. And and like I said, that Mummy's Wish group sort of made me nervous at times because people were sharing their experiences and their protocols and treatments and how hard it was to go through and the nausea and all that sort of thing. So I sort of shut myself out of that and went, that might not be my experience, but I expected it to be challenging. So for the beginning of my treatment, uh, we went quite intensive or rather aggressive. So I was diagnosed with uh, what they do for Hodgkin's lymphoma. They diagnose it by uh, the stages, it's not like one, two, three, four, like normal ones, although it kind of is a stage two equivalent. It was classed as early unfavorable, early in that they caught it early, uh, and unfavorable only meant that it was in multiple places rather than just one mm, local okay. spot. Okay. So the treatment was going to be chemotherapy, no radiation or surgery, just chemotherapy, uh, starting with a really intense sort of aggressive is what they <laughs> termed mm. it as a protocol called it's like a, a abbreviation, uh, be a cop, an acronym rather. I can't remember what it all stands for. But uh, so I, to start that, I had to be in hospital for that for the three days to begin with. Uh, and I guess the first day, I just had some very strange sort of funny side effects, I guess, at times. And they sort of said, you know, you might feel this, you might feel that, you might experience this and that. So being the studious sort of lifelong learner that I like. I like to look out for those things. I'm just a curious person. So I was sitting there and, you know, went, oh, I don't feel anything. And then one of the funny symptoms that I hated, but it wasn't, it was totally tolerable compared to nausea or whatever. I felt sort of like the beginning of a sneeze in the top of my nose. Mm. And it was that sort of congestion, like you want to sneeze, but the sneeze wasn't coming. And it Mm -hmm. just felt like it was sitting there with one of the chemotherapies. Mm. Uh, It was really frustrating, Uh, (laughs) but, you know, small compared to other things. But I guess, especially being in hospitals, the first time I'd been away from my daughter since she was born. So she was not quite two. She was 21 months, I think. Mm -hmm. And that was hard for me. Um, she was fine. (laughs) I kept being told she's fine. And she'd call me on FaceTime with daddy making breakfast and whatnot. But, um, the way I sort of, I guess, dealt with being in hospital was rather than hiding behind curtains and separating myself, I was in a room of four. Uh, I looked across and introduced myself to the others in the room, which funnily enough, I was the youngest in the room and possibly on the ward at the time, uh, being 28 and just spoke to people and just, you know, having a chat and, she had some laughs and kind of tried to make light of the situation as much as possible. It was hard at times. The lady next to me, uh, she was sort of struggling. She couldn't keep food down. Mm, and at tough. times I'd hear her throw up and whatnot, which I'm the person that throws up in sympathy. But somehow mm, I didn't. didn't. Thank you, Jesus. But, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too terrible. But I think I attribute that a lot to God and a little to the fact that in normal life, I'm a reasonably healthy person. I try to eat reasonably healthy and was trying to move my body and things like that. So yeah, I guess having that health advice that we get from God, if you know, eat Mm. your vegetables, eat your clean foods and things like that, Mm. drink lots of water. I think that that definitely helps, um, the process. It sounds like you were, you're actually lifting the spirits of the people who are in the ward with you. I tried to yeah. when I was feeling okay. <laughs> That's great. Perhaps God put you in that place 
um, to help those people as well. Maybe, maybe. Mm. But um, yeah, the first three days that was fine. But then chemotherapy takes a massive toll on your immune system. And so it basically kills everything, good and bad. And I remember my mum praying through my entire treatment journey saying, Lord, please help the chemotherapy to kill the bad cells, but preserve the good cells. Mm. And part of me wanted to giggle a little and go, that's not how chemotherapy works. Mm. But... um, I think most of the time I sort of felt like I was reasonably bouncing back at times. Um, but obviously internally, you don't really know what's going on unless you're having those blood tests and things. And from those, um, my neutrophil levels, which kind of tells you about your immune system, were always very low. And that meant I was susceptible to anything. So I had an unexpected return to the hospital. Uh, and I was in there for 10 days feeling quite terrible. And it turned out it was just something a little bit more serious than a common cold, but it was basically a cold virus that landed me in there for 10 days. Then when I got out, I ended up in again four days later for another five or seven day stretch. But this time it was because the pick line that they had put into my arm that is basically a tiny wire, well, not a wire, a tiny tube that runs from outside through your arm in your, I want to say, vein or artery, I don't remember, that's really terrible, but it runs directly into your heart. So that's what they were taking blood tests from. That's how they were putting the chemotherapy through me rather than cannulating and doing, mm. like, sorry, mm. people who are squeamish, um, <laughs> rather than poking me with a needle every single time, yeah. uh, I had this pick line in. And so while I was in hospital that first time, I'd picked up a hospital infection oh. of some sort in that pick line. And it took five odd days to figure that out why I was in there. I was Mm. feeling mostly okay. It's just that I'd run a fever and then they had me on antibiotics. Figured that one out. Uh, Had to remove the pick line. Then had to have another one. So there was just like ups and downs. All the way through. But all the way through, I mean, the nurses, anytime they came in, I tried to, you know, laugh it off, keep lighthearted, be happy and positive uh, because they do such an amazing job and they work so hard. And we've got a cousin on the ward as well. And she sort of says, like, you know, they don't often see success stories. They don't often have happy people and they're young people that will make it through cancer. Yeah. They, they're often weighed down with the challenges. So it was sort of um, trying as I was receiving that comfort from God and, um, you know, that support in my time of affliction, my time of challenge, I was then able to share that onto others and make mm. light of the situation and... Mm have fun with it as much as you can. And I started seeing my hospital visits as really bad hotel getaways for me. <laughs> and, um, and so when you're talking about comfort, that's one of the other verses that, mm. that, that was a, uh, well, really a comfort for you. Yeah. Um, was that Second Corinthians yep. 1? Chapter 1, verses 3, three and, and 4. Let me read that in the uh, CSB as well. Uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Uh, And verse 4, he comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Uses the word comfort a lot Mm -hmm. there, doesn't it? And like I said, I think um, maybe it was for a specific reason you were in that ward. Perhaps those people in that ward were meant to be helped and lifted in their spirits. One of the things you did, we're just about out of time for this segment, we'd never have enough time, (laughs) No. was shave, was it uh, World's World's Greatest Greatest Shave? shave. How did that help? How did that help? We saw you in hospital while you did it. Yeah, Um, I decided beforehand 
that if I was going to lose my hair, I'd lose it on my own terms. So I thought I'm going to have a cause. And so I announced that I was going to do the world's greatest shave and had a whole bunch of friends and uh, church family just put their hands up and go, we're going to do it with you. And uh, I can tell you more later, but it was amazing to experience that and go through it together yeah great great well let's come back at that after the break um maybe tabitha you'd like to um lead us into the break yeah yeah uh, just to give more information on our free book offer which is expect a miracle uh, by his very nature christ was a healer um, the creator of life in its most vibrant form act to see sin manifested in his creation with deformities ailments disease and pain he loved to, to repent Place heartache with healing, which was a hallmark of his min- ministry on earth. Yet Jesus longed to heal more than the physical. He reached beyond wounded bodies to soothe wounded hearts. His ultimate goal was to bring life, vital, pulsating life, to listless hearts um, that were hard as stone. The same Jesus who was so willing to heal centuries ago stands ready to heal today. The great physician is reaching his hand out to you. I will give you the code to claim this book um, after the break, but for now let's listen to this song, He Touched Me by Joel and Rory. me and made me whole 
That was He Touched Me by Joy and uh, Rory. And you're listening to Thousand Counties with uh, David Maxwell and Natalie. And um, Natalie has been sharing her story on um, her recent cancer journey. And um, before the break, I promised to give you the code um, to claim our free book offer, which is uh, the book called Expect a Miracle by Ellen White. Um, the code is CONNECT5. So text connect number five, but don't put any space in between. Text connect five to zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, and I will be able to send that book to you. Um. So David, how does that book relate to either the verses you read or Natalie's story so far? Mm, mm. Yeah. Thanks very much, Tabitha. Look, I, I had a little bit I was going to say in here, but I'm so excited about what uh, Natalie's sharing. I want to come back to that story of. Um, the the uh, world's greatest shave, and I can remember as uh, as you were getting shaved, you, you did a, a live stream to us in the hall where we had uh, oh, oh, probably about uh, 40, 50 people there watching, um, about 12, I think it was 12 people all together, including mm-hmm. someone else who was on a live stream doing that shave for a cure. Um, or the world's greatest shave and I remember your reaction as uh, one of the ladies with long locks had it um, plaited mm-hmm. and then cut off why was that emotional for you I suppose shout out to wonderful Elise who I now call velvet because her hair was <laughs> so soft um, I suppose seeing all the men most of the group was men shaving their heads was you know men have short hair this is not really a sacrifice but i love the support so i really appreciated it mm. I had, you know their mm. vanity males can be vain too their you know their visuals were changed and whatnot um, Correct. so i I, also, I appreciated that but seeing in the end three other women um pastor david's wife herself um, and then my friend Elise, who had this beautiful long mm. hair that i've always admired mm. um she shared that she wanted to join um, and actually get her vanity in check. And she's sort of when I, you know, I hate to admit it, but honestly, I think this is something that I'm going to struggle with, but I think that I should do it because it'll be character building. Mm. And so to see that happen, this beautiful hair, I mean, mine by that stage, because I had already gone through at 10 days after starting chemotherapy, my hair started falling out in clumps. It was gross. And so I couldn't wait to shave my head mm. um, because it felt like I could have some power and a choice over it Um, Mm. and then to see other people then make the choice because in a way I kind of didn't have a choice Mm. um, to support that was massive and having that community of people around you Mm. yeah kind of made it very real that man these people are not just jumping on the bandwagon for funsies they're Mm. doing it because they actually love me and that's really serious it's serious when a lady says I'll take my hair off to support yeah and and I thought that was great it was really great so so thanks for that, Natalie. Um, I know that's a little bit close to home, but I really appreciate <laughs> you sharing. So what was the outcome? How did that actually turn out with your treatments? And have you had a win? Uh, where are you heading? Um, tell us a little bit more about the end of the story so far. 
So I had my last round after the two rounds that I had, which were three weeks each, so six weeks of the beer cop protocol. I was supposed to have a PET scan and my doctor felt that the lumps that I felt in my neck and under my armpit, I felt after the first week of treatment, they were shrinking. And so after the first two cycles of the beer cop protocol, we could feel the change. And so she said, we won't have a PET scan. We'll just go straight on to the less intensive ABVD uh, different protocol, which each one, it's each cycle is four weeks, so eight more weeks. So January 10th was my last round of treatment, my last day of chemotherapy. A week after that, I think it was, I had my pick line removed. I had the PET scan done, which then I was supposed to go into the doctor's office and had a miscommunication and got a phone call, him asking, where are you? Are you around? I'm like, what do you mean? At the clinic? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, no, I thought it was a phone call. Anyhow, so uh, after that little fun bit, he delivered the news that I was cancer-free. There was no mm. evidence of any cancer in my body, mm. uh, which was huge. Um, but interestingly enough, you know, my mom and my dad and everyone fell apart again in joy mm. and happiness. And people were like, it's unbelievable. Like, it should be believable. It's what we prayed for. We believe mm. in a God who... Mm asked us to expect miracles and so i sort of felt like yeah i'm living a new miracle um but at the same time i still had that same sort of i didn't break down i didn't fall apart sort of thing like when i got the news the same way that i walked into that appointment and walked out the same i felt the same Mm. that sort of piece Mm. of yep tick and my dad warned me he said don't take it lightly and i said i am absolutely not taking it lightly but as my mum said, we prayed for a miracle and it never felt like a death sentence. It mm. just felt like mm. a thing, a trial that, that I had have to go, to go through. through and then come out the other side mm. and do something with it. Mm. Um, mm. There's still, moving on from that, there's still a ways to go in terms of rebuilding and healing completely. I feel completely fine, but I just uh, a few days ago got a phone call from the doctor. I'm almost two months from the last chemotherapy and my neutrophils, that immune system marker, um, are at 0.4. Mm-hmm. Normal, I think, is 1.5. Okay, so um, they're a little low. They're very low, and so they're a little bit concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. even now, if I come down with a cold or any flu-like symptoms or anything, I have to go straight to hospital. And so mm. I'm really praying mm. for another miracle, which right mm. now I feel like I'm walking another miracle since my husband and daughter are both unwell. And you're in the same house. Yes, and I haven't Amazing. been sick yet. Um, and so I'm really grateful for that. But um, That's, that's yeah. fantastic. That's really fantastic. The last verse, I was just looking at this last verse. And I can see why it's an encouragement for you. It's John chapter 1, 1 to 5, and I'm going to read it in the CSB again. I love that version, the way it's uh, the way it's brought out. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. So we serve a creator God. And apart from him, not one thing was created that's been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Mm. That is that something about why you love that verse? Yes, particularly verse 5, the yeah. light shines in the darkness. Jesus is our light, and he shines in our dark times, and the darkness can't overcome the creator of light and dark. Um, and so I guess that is something that I experienced 
profoundly then and I still experience now and it's something that along the way I've shared on my blog that I started before all of this didn't want to become a cancer blog but I think through this I actually do need to apply some of what I've learned so you know shameless plug to myself if you'd like to tune in I might start writing again on the casualgraceblog.com and yeah just find the space for God's everyday grace that's fantastic look again I want to hear more and more and more (laughs) maybe if we get enough people questioning sending some uh, responses in on the show number we'll pass those on to Nat Uh, maybe she'll be able to get in touch in some way pass on the blog details and you'll be able to hear a little bit more about what uh, Nat has has experienced what she's gone through how God has helped support her in that Tabitha as we close you've got some final things you would like to share yeah, uh, just really to thank Natalie for sharing this story with us. And it's been more of captivating rather than emotional, like contrary to what I thought it was going to be. And that just <laughs> reflects on how uh, positive you've been through the whole experience. But, you know, just as David said uh, to you, that he said it's okay to cry, it's okay to feel down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just mm. to remember to reach for support because, um, mm. yeah, this, it's okay. It's good to have that help and support when you need it. Um, so next week we have um, Rick Hagen Han um, with Jason. And Rick will be talking about the um, journey to Tasmania and in his involvement in the ministry. Um, yeah, you'll just uh, tune in to um, next week on Friday to hear more of what he has to say. And um, on Monday, we have uh, David Leo, and David will be talking about Lost and Found. And also, um, the codes to claim our free book offer is Connect 5, text Connect 5 to 0488-880891, and I will be able to send that book to you. Um, we are going out with this song, God on the Mountain by Linda Rando. And um, thank you for joining us today, and wherever you are, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Tabitha. is easy when you're up on the mountain and you've got peace of mind like you've never known but things change when you're down in the valley don't lose faith For you're never alone For the God on the When life's at its best Now it's down in the valley Of trials and temptations
made is really put to the test for the God on the This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.